Hello and welcome to another episode of Enter the Labyrinth with me, your host, Brendan. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, so today we're, as you can see by the title, we're going to do an audio clip between Jordan Peterson and Ben Shapiro. We're going to analyze that and do a discussion on that. Uh, I'm going to do an announcement on this episode. So I've been kind of announcing that I've been doing this audio commentary type podcast here for a bit now. I really like doing them and I'm going to probably, I'm going to continue doing them. Uh, but I also want to add the clarifier is like this video, this, this video today that I'm commentating on, I haven't actually seen it. I just saw the two names. I figured I'd like it. And if you're hearing this, it means I liked the content enough and liked the commentary enough that I am posting it. Uh, the podcast is supposed to be now more freeform, more relaxed, and more of my personality, I guess you could say, coming out more uncut version of me. Uh, so yeah, but if you'd like to support the show, you can do that in various ways. And one of those various ways is I have, you can also just, you know, subscribe to podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts, leave a review, share with your friends. There's also a bonus feed. I'll be updating that more now as well, since I have a good, clear idea of what I want to do with this podcast. Um, you can do that through Apple Podcasts or on Patreon. I think it's like three bucks a month. There's already some past episodes on there where we do like dream analysis stuff and, and more personal stuff as well. Um, I also have my writing stuff, which is a philosopher's stone. There's plenty of free stuff on that, but there's also a dream analysis section and also like more personal stories and experimental writing. Uh, you can do that through the link below as well. Just various options if people like the writing stuff more, there's that. And if people like my, if they like to hear my voice, there's that as well. But anyway, enough chit chat. Let's dive in and let's get into this. Let's enter the labyrinth. Okay, so let's see what Shapiro has to say. So, Jordan, you were speaking a moment ago about the, the sort of lack of meaning that people are looking for, particularly young men. And it really is a, a, a big thing that young men seem to have lost meaning. Postmodernism killed the, the scientific rationalist world. And the postmodernists have decided to substitute for that a certain utopian vision of the remolding of American society in, in terms of what they call equity, but, but really amounts to. So, oh, yes. We are not even 30 seconds in, and we've already got the grand evil of all evils, the plague on society, the parasite feeding off the minds of young men, the evil, terrible ghost of postmodernism. And yeah, so Ben Shapiro, of course, went on to spiel about that. Uh, we're going to see what Jordan has to say in response to it, but... This, I just always get a kick out of how they just completely oversimplify and dismiss postmodernism and never, never, ever, ever, ever seem to get it right. It's like, oh my gosh, how dare we? How dare we even fathom, even contemplate deconstructing the concepts we create? How dare we we try to understand uh, the language that we use and the, the loaded meaning and the history of meaning behind those various terms and how we construct our belief systems. How dare we deconstruct that? How dare we analyze that? We, we are just terrible fools for trying to do such a thing. We're just a plague on society for contemplating having discussions on truth. You know? how? Ah. All right. I'm going to shut up. Being too sarcastic already. <laughs> Tribal dynamics. And you see this over and over, the, the radical left pushing its own version of utopianism. Classical liberals have been wrong-footed, I think, 
by the need for something more fulfilling, which is why classical liberalism always relied on an unspoken assumption that you were going to find meaning in your family, you were going to find meaning in religious community, you were going to find meaning in bettering your social life outside of government. But when that unspoken understanding just dissipated, when, when religion started to, to fall apart, all that was left was, well, let's just be rational with one another. There's not much inspiring there. And I think that's why you see that across the board, a drive toward irrationalism, a certain level of romanticism dominating the society to the point where irrationalism is much more prized than rationalism. If you make a, a rational point, if you cite data, very often this is now considered not only. Okay, let's try to unpack that. He, because <laughs> it, it, in a sense, from what I from what I, what I understand what Ben just said, I don't completely disagree. Completely disagree. I disagree with his critique in the sense of blaming postmodernism for taking us away and postmodernism and, and the radical left creating this this idea of a utopian society and blah blah blah. And then he bench says, Oh, they're forcing it upon people. The the but the point he says about people basically saying uh no longer having this sense of meaning and purpose and whatnot you know i think that that is true now ben's solution i completely disagree with completely his critique is not completely false his analysis of the critique in the sense of what is causing said critique if that makes sense being postmodernism is incorrect but his idea that people have a sense of, of they feel this lack of meaning Ben wants to reinsert religion and say, oh, it's because they've gone away from religion. They've lost truth in that sense. But then he also, in, in a weird way, I don't know if he, this was like a misspeak on his part, or maybe I'm misunderstanding him. But the way I interpreted what he said was, is that the radical left, what he calls radical left, is moving towards this more romanticism idea um, and and kind of this lack of truth Um and that is traditionally, especially the kind of the romanticism thing, you can still connect that with the religious idea or the irrationality idea. Irrationality is a thing connected with typically religious thinking. Um, it's not saying that religion is false, but it's a very spiritual idea in the sense of, oh, I'm going to be, I'm going to have this kind of faith. I'm going to put faith in this, in this idea of God or in these principles or these belief structures around God and what morality is and you have to put yourself within a sense of irrationality and when you put faith you put faith in something you're basically admitting to to using some form of irrationality and we often romanticize that we often often say that allows us to have this more spiritual experience that gives us that sense of meaning. We suspend our rational mind for a moment. We suspend that and just allow the emotions to come out, allow the feeling to come out and feel a connection with some, I'm not saying religion is the best way to do this by any means, but to like kind of try to understand Ben Shapiro and what he's advocating for. It's weird that he's flipping that and he's saying, oh no, the radical left is trying to go towards irrationality and get rid of rationality. When traditionally the irrationality sector or belief system is typically the religious one because it's that faith idea and that and and often it used to create that sense of higher calling but people no longer are connecting with religion because it's not answering life's questions like it used to um but let's let them continue in politics but but damaging and dangerous the other thing that that ideology does and the the radical leftists are also very good at this is that it 
provides you with a locale, a convenient locale for the, for the uh, existence of evil. And so, if you reflexively identify the patriarchy with evil, well, first of all, that's a powerful idea. It's it, independent of its broad merit. It's, a, it's true. Now, it's not the only truth, and it's not the complete truth, but it's true. The reason it's true is because every hierarchical system, hierarchical system, degenerates, tends to degenerate in the direction of power. And all hierarchical systems are less than they could be. And that's partly because of the possibility that power and deceit will corrupt them, but also partly because we're willfully blind and deceitful in our own personal lives. And so when you tell young people that the cause of the trouble they see around them in the world, and maybe even the disquiet in their own heart, is the malevolent inadequacy of their society, that rings true. And they don't hear the rest of the story, you know, and it's the rest of the story that I've been trying to tell. They don't hear the story that, yeah, don't forget about the evil and corruption that exists in your own heart. And don't forget about the fact that nature this wondrous goddess as portrayed by the anti-human environmentalists, and I, by that I don't mean all environmentalists, by the way, that wonderful goddess nature is also ty- trying to make you ill and kill you at all times. And so, but the story that corruption exists in hierarchical structure and that that's a consequence of malevolence, the malevolent use of power and deceit, that's true. So it's always fascinating when Jordan focuses because it's not like anyone's saying, okay, so I guess before I, I dive into that, I should probably unpack a little bit of what he's saying. He's basically to oversimplify a bit on his part, even though if he's oversimplifying the position of kind of what he would call the woke left or the postmodernist, he's oversimplifying those positions. I'm going to try to unpack his. So it's basically in the sense of, okay, We need to stop focusing so much on the social structures. We need to stop focusing on critiquing those and how the structures are uh, affecting the individual. The individual needs to focus on themselves and basically pick themselves up by the bootstraps and figure their shit out. And all all the society's problems will then all of a sudden solve itself. But then he's also critiquing and saying that, oh, if if you take away people's desire for individual responsibility, then all of a sudden... Now you're putting the focus on the collective thing and people aren't focusing on themselves anymore. And this, this is the really the frustrating part because it, they are Ben and Jordan, which is why I, I knew I was going to like this video. Ben and Jordan are creating these imaginary ghouls, these imaginary enemies, this imaginary ideology and, and formulation of what people think people on the left, for example, in this case, that's made up. It's not true. Like no one, okay. In, in any group, there's going to be some crazy people that have really just bad ideas. Um, the, the right has that. Of course, the left has that. Of course, I don't deny that. Um, but basically they're, they're creating this formulation of this group of people that don't believe in individual responsibility or let's say in this case, like, cause uh, Jordan Peterson loves to talk about self-improvement, for example, so he's basically saying that 
that the, the leftist ideology or the leftist position about focusing on social structures, people are are just like anti-self-improvement, anti-individual responsibility. And that's just objectively not fucking true. Like I'm I'm on the I would consider myself on the left, right? I'm considering myself I don't like to call myself postmodernist because I think anyone that's a postmodernist probably doesn't want to call themselves a postmodernist. <laughs> but the point is, is I'm not opposed to self-improvement practices. I'm not opposed to, you know, uh, having daily habits for yourself to improve your life, taking responsibility for your own actions, uh, maybe focusing on your health or finding uh, causes to get involved in at an individual basis to like help improve your individual fucking life. But it doesn't mean you can't go and do those things and then also critique the social structures we have in place. It's as though, as though like, oh, there's, there's no reason. He's basically saying there's no reason to critique social structures. Just focus on yourself and the stuff will figure it out. But you have to also acknowledge, which I, I'm still fascinated because I already kind of covered this in a different episode, where Zizek just fucking ripped him apart, just ripped his argument apart. And he still is on the same fucking beat every single time. And he never fucking addresses this. And I, I don't know if he's purposely doesn't address this or just doesn't understand still or just purposely not understand. I don't know. But he needs to address this point that you have to acknowledge that the structures we have in place can have an influence on what individuals can do and the circumstances they're in have an effect on where they are in life and where they will go. The idea that we can't critique social structures is just stupid on his part. It's just, I don't know how else to put it. It's like no one, there's like basically no one saying that you shouldn't take individual responsibility for yourself. You shouldn't improve your life or try to do that even though you exist in maybe an oppressive system. That's, yeah. So, yeah. It's very motivating, especially if you're young and you're looking for an adventure. Now, it's also too convenient, which is one of its tremendous dangers, because unless you're taught to look within and identify the malevolence there as the primary moral obligation, then... It's both. You can look at the malevolence you have within yourself, which I don't completely disagree with, Jordan. Like, Jordan is a big, like, Carl Jung fan. I... Although I have my critiques of Carl Jung, I, I enjoy reading Carl Jung stuff. It's entertaining. It's fascinating to think about. I like reading mystical stuff because it makes you think about stuff in a different way. I, that's kind of what the stuff Jordan's going for. Oh, you have to like analyze your shadow self. You have to analyze your deeper self. You should do that. But you can do that and simultaneously recognize that the thing, that the society that creates, the, like the individual is influenced by the society. You have to acknowledge that. That is just not even a hot take. That is just a fucking fact, right? Okay, so then you have to acknowledge that the society we have in place, the the maybe the oppressive social structures we have in place, the power structures, the hierarchies we have in place, we have to acknowledge that it could have an effect on our, let's say, and Jordan, like Jordan likes to talk about the shadow self or the malevolent self within us or the dark parts of ourselves, right? The deep within us. If we're going to face our deep inner self, we have to acknowledge that the social structures of the society has an influence on creating the that in malevolent in, in that in that shadowy self within us. And that's why you do both things. 
There is nuance to this discussion, Jordan. You have to analyze your inner self and you also have to analyze the outer world because you cannot separate those two purely. They are constantly intermingling, constantly flowing together and creating things within the external world and in in your internal world as well. And that is my point. Anyway, let's see what else. You now have an excuse and a moral justification to take out all of your negative emotion, your hostility, your resentment, everything about you that's unexamined on the demonic enemy. And of course, that's, that, that, that degenerates with extraordinary rapidity as, we, as we've seen over and over and over. So it's up to the, it's up to the centrists on both sides to, to deal with this. I've been talking to a lot of the optimist rationalist types on my podcast, Matt Ridley and Bjorn Lomberg and, well, and Haidt and, and Pinker, more more distantly, but more recently, uh, Lomberg and, and Ridley and and uh, Marion Tupi, who who's written a lovely book on uh, human progress, uh, ten things everyone needs to know about human progress. It's something like that, huh? Anyways, one of the things we discussed consistently was the difficulty in promoting the message that all three of these men are very aware of, which is that from a material perspective. Okay, side note. I know you guys can't see the video, but I just want to acknowledge that Ben Shapiro just looks so goddamn bored. <laughs> like, like Jordan, okay, I, I don't deny that Jordan's a, a talented speaker. Um, he's able to lead people down these little rabbit holes of thought pretty well. But sometimes I think he just, he needs to like, get to the point, man. You know, sometimes he needs to just do that. And you can just, sometimes you're listening to him and you just drift off because you're like, what the fuck? What the fuck is this guy saying? And I feel like Ben Shapiro is definitely doing that right now. But anyway. In terms of absolute privation, worldwide, humanity is way better off on virtually every dimension you could possibly measure than ever. And, and most of that improvement has occurred in the last 40 years and it's been revolutionary in its speed. And... No one knows this. Everyone knows this. Everyone knows this. And no one is saying that this is a, a bad thing. But it's also we have to acknowledge, okay. And, and Jordan would argue, okay, it was capitalism that des- did that. And I'm not going to critique like every little thing about capitalism. Definitely not in this episode. And also, you know, th- it's not all bad, right? And it's, it's also this idea that, okay, throughout history, we've been making progress, with various systems in place. And this idea that no progress would have been made is also silly. Like technological innovation would have happened to some extent anyway. Now, I'm not also like, I'm going to also still give credit to capitalism for creating a lot of the innovation, but also this idea that everything is all good. Like everything is all good throughout that, that history. We are environmentally in a dangerous spot. Um, we are sucking up the resources from around the world. We also, through that innovation, we took advantage of various populations of people, countries, and took advantage of people through that as well. So to, to we can also acknowledge the negatives of that. We're also very depressed society right now. People are not optimistic anymore. So this idea that we can't, you know, we, we can look at, progress that we made but it doesn't mean we can't look at 
possible negative things that have happened. And also this idea, because like the way Jordan makes it sound is, oh, there's there's no problems going on. There's nothing to worry about. All we need to worry about is the crazy woke left. That is the only thing we need to worry about. But what we need to worry about is one, improving said society. The idea that everything about capitalism or everything about free market society or or everything about this, like Jordan, I don't know if Jordan, he's a conservative. He is a traditionalist. He wants to maintain the status quo. That is his position. That's not a hot take either. Okay, that's your position. But there's other people out there that want to alter the center position that are all operating on the two poles and they want to change the center and they want to change policy within that. And I think we need to recognize that's okay because if you don't change the center, you maintain the status quo. And if you maintain the status quo, you're not really going anywhere. So, And so it's very important to note, to try to think through why that is. Like that's such a positive message. Now, I talked to Russell Brandt about this and I'm bringing him up for a reason. He's he's a lefty by temperament and by heart. And his first objection, but he's very thoughtful and quick. His first objection, you know, I pointed out all this data showing that by every possible objective measure, everything is way better than it was certainly 100 years ago, but certainly even 20 years ago, Um, even on the environmental front in the main. And he said, well, what about disparity of distribution. So there's the problem of absolute level of wealth, let's say. That's improving. But there is still tremendous... <laughs> Ben's eyes are fucking glazing over. I can't take it. This is... It's amazing. <laughs> disparity. And of course, that that is oh, fair enough. You could even point out that the role of the left is to provide a conscientious voice for... for that's constantly attending to the fact of continuing disparity regardless of absolute level of wealth. And, and fair enough, but, but having said all that, it's a great mystery that incremental optimism is not sufficiently motivating. And you can't just wish human nature is going to change. It's not going to change. We got to tell a better story. And I also think that's why I'm a target. I think is because I am actually trying to tell a better story and I'm actually having some success with it. So I totally agree with that. I mean, he's a target because he, you know, people that want to maintain the status quo, they're going to become a target, you know, and also he's, I don't want to dive into this this episode because I want to see if he says anything like this, but he's a traditionalist. He wants traditional values. He wants women to stay at home. You know, he, yeah, I don't know how else to put it. Like he gets critiques for those things. He gets critiques for being a conservative and having conservative values. Um, That's where the critiques are coming from. The story he's telling is just, you know, solidifying what other people that are already conservative. Um, Yeah. That and and that really does bring us to the book, because one of the things that folks should know about all of your books is that they are very intimate, very personal. You talk about yourself, but you also speak. In, in a way that most writers do not, you use second person pronouns. I mean, you speak directly to the reader. You say, you feel this way. You think this way. And a lot of people read that and say, I do think that way. This is a person who's speaking directly to me in a way that you know mainstream political books very often do not. They consider me sort of a widget in whatever ideology they're pushing or, or they, they're considering the, the value of systems or not systems. But you sort of end around that. And I think that in many ways, that's what men, members of the left find so, so threatening is because if you're a member of the left and you believe 
that all individuals are essentially just the outgrowths of institutions and therefore that all change by individuals is going to be insufficient and that it must be societal change that, that creates individual change, you're a threat. That's not that's not the position they take. It's just it's just it's not. I don't I don't oh my uh, I know I get frustrated with these videos, but they're just so entertaining because what he said is just so false. <laughs> like I don't like what is your position, Ben? That individuals are just pe- like they're not influenced by those structures. Like, can we just acknowledge that social structures influence the beliefs of people? Like Ben, like let's let's take Ben for example. I don't know Ben's entire backstory. I don't know the lore of Ben Shapiro fully, but I'm assuming he grew up Jewish and now he's also Jewish. Does he think being born Jewish, being born within that structure of a religion, that belief system of a religion, might might have had an influence on? Ben Shapiro now being Jewish. Is that is that possible? Is that in the realm of possibility, right? And that's my point. Our upbringing, our backgrounds, they have an influence on the beliefs we start creating. We're then acknowledging if the environment has an effect on the beliefs we have, we're acknowledging we need to analyze the social structures that are affecting our perception of being an individual, our perception of our perceived selves. That's all it's saying. And I don't, it's, why, why do they think that's a bad thing? Why is it bad to critique structures we have in place? Because I, I, I would even, like, if you talk to conservatives, I have a hard time believing they're going to be like, yeah, it's everything that we're, everything that's going on, it's all good. All the structures we have in place, all good. Like they're even critiquing, like conservatives are acknowledging this is what's happening. They're acknowledging that I'm not saying they're right, but like, oh, the postmodern neo-Marxists are getting into our public schools and, and, and the critical CRT, critical race theory is affecting the minds of, of our children. Okay. So now you're acknowledging that a structural system that has a belief system is affecting the minds of the individual, which then in turn affects the society. They intermingle. They they connect together. They influence each other. That's, yeah. Because you're telling people, well, you know, the systems can certainly get better, but the main threat to you is you. And that is a deeply threatening message to people. And if people find fulfillment in that message, then the left really does have a problem because if people start improving their lives within the system and not blaming the system for their problems and instead recognizing that, that they can improve their lives, that's what mem- members of the left take most of all. You know, you talk about in the book, Jordan, the fact that people are constantly coming up to you and they're saying things like, you know, I, I was leading a, a dissolute life. I read your book. I started taking your advice and I've turned it around and now I'm doing much better in life. And, you know, I'm blessed to have much the same experience from a lot of people who listen to the show, people who have been homeless, who now have graduated Harvard Law School, people who were single moms and, and, then, and then decided to, to take a college course and, and figure out their lives, people who have made mistakes and turned their mistakes around. And to me, those are inspirational stories. I think that because those inspirational stories exist, that I think is why people find you to be such a threat. It's because so many people are inspired by the stuff that you- That's, mm. <laughs> Okay, so let's admit something. I'm not denying that people have found help with Ben Shapiro in, through, through the words of Ben Shapiro or even Jordan Peterson. I have no doubt that technically they have helped people turn their lives around in a sense. Okay. Let's say they turn their lives around within the system we have in place. 
But now, what is their foundational beliefs about people, about how society operates, that is now incorrect? Although they feel more peaceful and maybe they're happier with their life, what is their belief system now doing for society as a whole? I'm not even going to like answer that question. But that is the other flip side of that. You can help people, but also then insert a belief system with them that is then having possibly, possibly, you can have your opinions, possibly having a negative effect on other people. And that is what we need to analyze. No one's denying that, or I'm not denying, I guess people do deny this, but I do think Ben Shapiro has helped, helped some people individually. Same with Jordan Peterson. But it doesn't change the fact that they could also be giving them foundational beliefs because now they trust them. If someone changes your life around or helps you in that sense or you you feel like you've been helped by them, you're not going to trust them and you're now going to take on some of their beliefs. And if their beliefs are problematic, that's going to be an issue. Let's, let's, let's take a better example. Let's say, I don't, I don't know, I'm sure a lot of my listeners have heard uh, like the memes of alpha males on the internet alpha males doing um like uh pickup pickup artists alpha males those types and they're very bad opinions about women and their bad perceptions and they're very toxic and toxic masculinity not a hot take right they have those now do i deny that let's say someone listens to them and their their objective is i want to get laid And then they listen to those guys and like for some reason they perceive it. Oh, it worked. I got laid. Okay, you you did. But now what is your belief about women? Individually, you got the goal that you wanted. You turned your life around. But now how did you achieve that goal that's problematic? And secondly, what beliefs do you have about women now that is problematic? It's now going to have a ripple effect and affect people as a whole. That's what we need to analyze. So in, the, in that case, the alpha male helped an individual. But was that helping of an individual good for society as a whole? Yeah. That you say, and change their life individually without putting all of their ire and focus on a system that the left is mainly focused on tearing down. I defy anyone to go read 10,000 comments on my YouTube channels. What? And not come what? away uh, with a much better... <laughs> Okay, guys, 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 okay. You, to just understand how much Jordan Peterson has helped people, just all you got to do, all you got to do, just go, just go read a book's worth of comments on a YouTube channel. 10,000 comments. Not, not like 10 to 20 or, you know, a comment section. Read 10,000 comments and you will understand Jordan Peterson's audience. Just do that, and then and then you'll get him. I'm also concerned that he came up with that number uh, because it tells me that Jordan is reading a fuck ton of his comment sections, and that's just it's a, it's a dangerous thing. I feel like you know I get a lot, I get comments on my stuff, my social media, um, and it gets addicting, but it gives you weird senses of. One, sometimes you feel shitty about yourself, but also can sometimes I give you weird God complexes. And if Jordan's case, if they're super supportive, if you're reading 10,000 comments, bud, like you you probably have a very dangerous level of God complex, which gets a little, just a little, a little culty. With a much refreshed view of 
human nature. The comments are, in the main, unbelievably positive, and not in a naive sense. They're positive in a thoughtful sense and, and in a communal sense because the people who are making comments on the lectures are also commenting on each other. And there is ideological babble on both sides. I would say that's probably 5% of the comments. And uh, generally, I believe they're written by people who didn't actually watch the lecture because they're often out of context. But in any case, 95% of the comments are thoughtful, but also extremely positive, which is very rare in a social media comment landscape, which tends to be very, very toxic. And so I think that's absolutely great. And it certainly has that impact on me when I, when I read it. Um, but then here's something else that I, I've observed in the media attacks that have been directed towards me. They're not just directed towards me. They're, well, first, they're directed to who they think I am. So that's kind of interesting to begin with. But more than directed to me and more perniciously is that they're directed to those who are hypothetically following me. Now, I don't regard myself as someone with followers. I regard myself as someone with viewers, listeners, and readers. And that's different. But in any case... If you have people that follow you, your every word, and defend you, like like anytime I post um, content about Jordan Peterson, I get crazy comments about how I'm not reading him correctly or I'm not understanding what he's saying all this stuff, just crazy ideological behavior and people basically defending him like he is their cult leader. So that would be followers, just saying. My typical follower, so goes the story, is a disaffected, angry, young, white male. And for a while, I, in some sense, pushed back against (coughs) that and said, well... My audience is about 70% male, but YouTube skews male. Probably closer to 90, but that's just my take. Also, that's perhaps part of the reason. And I see no evidence that it's particularly limited racially or ethnically, especially when I watch, see my lecture crowds and when I meet people on the street. But, but then I started to realize that that was the wrong response. The right response is, why does it disturb you so much? That there's a group of people who, by your own admission, are disaffected and angry and alienated and young, and I'm helping them. And why is that exactly a problem? What is it that I'm supposed to be doing with them? Just out of curiosity. What do you think? If you had your druthers, would I ignore them? Would no one talk to them? Is that actually what you want? Well, the answer seems quite clear that that is exactly what's wanted that's what's held forth because there's this implicit okay so apply what i said before with that alpha male example to the possibility especially if you already disagree with jordan peterson um the possibility now okay helping people but what fundamental beliefs is he altering and giving them that gives them problematic beliefs that they're then using within the world that they're then voting on they're building their relationships around. It has this ripple effect in society, especially these found these popular thinkers. And that's why we need to analyze it. That's why we need to critique it. That's why we need to wonder the problematic nature of it. Um, 
because it has a ripple effect and people now have those beliefs and then alter society in a way. That's why it's a problem, Jordan. Assumption in all of this critique that in my very act of aid, I'm doing something immoral. Immoral enough to be parodied, let's say, as Red Skull. And so just what the hell's going on here? It's like, why is that now uh, fodder for, for parody or slander, precisely? I mean, do you debate the fact that I'm helping? Well, you go read the comments yourself and see what you think. And so then... I do debate that. And then I thought about that a bunch, too. I thought, well, what is it with, with men, the men that I'm speaking to, let's say, um, why are they responding positively? Why did they come to my lectures, the biblical lectures even, which is very surprising, right? Because what the hell are men doing at a biblical lecture, especially young men, especially when they could go do anything else and they have to pay for it? It's like, what are they doing coming to this lecture? Well, if the patriarchy is an evil ty tyranny, then the appropriate attitude towards any male ambition is to not treat it as ambition, but to treat it as nascent drive to tyrannical power, which is certainly what uh, Foucault would recommend, for example, or Derrida. There we go. There we go. We did it. We did it. He did it in the 10-minute clip. He mentioned the Foucault and Derrida. He mentioned the patriarchy. We did it. He accomplished it. He's got to get those in there. He's got to get that 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 bash on Derrida and Foucault and, and their understanding of power. Got to bring up the patriarchy. And, you know, you also, in Jordan's case, you, you got to wonder, right? You have to wonder. Predominantly male audience. A male audience, right? Okay. Let's take that into account. What is the traditional belief, especially in Jordan's case, of how patriarchies should operate and how they do operate and how the hierarchy operates? Males on top. And he says, backed by nature. Backed by nature, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is how it works. This is the masculine responsibility, right? Okay. So, if you're a male, a man that is not happy where, where life is going, and a dude comes with a nice package of goodies, of nice little ideas. And one of those ideas is, you're right, society, or one of those ideas is, hey, man, society's deteriorating. We're going away from the patriarchal system. We're going away from the idea that men should be on top. And that's a problem. You know, we want, we want to put you back on top. The man needs to be back on top. A dude that's not happy where, where life is, is having a PhD figure that's really popular telling them that, yeah, you're right. You should be back on top, man. Go get them. We need to put you back on top. We're just going to change society here and we're going to put the patriarchy back in order. We got it. We got to keep these women at home. Okay. That package. And he wonders, and Jordan wonders, why, why are men following me? Because you're telling those men that are upset about the way things are going you're telling them that I want to put you back on top. I think you should be leading. I think the reason that you're not going where you should be or what you perceive to be what you should be doing in life is because of 
the demolishment of the patriarchy and the hierarchy and of power. And then that's where he goes into talking about Foucault and Derrida and how, oh my God, that all they were fixated on was power and, and the deconstruction. It's like, like I said in the beginning of the episode, it's kind of funny how this worked out. Let's take Derrida, for example. You know, Foucault's for a different day, but let's focus on Derrida. Derrida's idea was basically deconstructing concepts. The idea is that we have these two poles of positions, of concepts. And then within the middle, people people kind of flow between those two poles, right? Okay. Now we, or we oscillate between those two. And we have discussions about those concepts. But the idea is, okay, where do those concepts come from? What is the history behind them? What is the packaged beliefs and the values that go within those concepts, right? We need to analyze those. We need to deconstruct those concepts. And then when we deconstruct the concepts, we can see the origins of the concepts, the history. You know, when you hear the word, let's use a political term, Republican, what comes about? When you hear the word Christian, what comes about? When you hear the word patriarchy, when you hear the word, I don't know, let's think of a less controversial word. Um, Republic, that's a controversial word too. The point is, you hear these words and you have all this meaning fall into place with it. But throughout history, those concepts change in meaning. And we should analyze how those concepts have changed in meaning throughout history. So Derrida is saying it's hard for us to get to truth because we're constantly oscillating between these two concepts, these two uh, poles when you're given, when you're presenting concepts. You're, you're oscillating between these understandings. And it's hard to pinpoint down truth because that's that thing is constantly occurring and flowing and changing and it's hard for us as humans to ever have that full picture the in the full picture because there's so much information to consume to understand that because why is that maybe maybe it's because uh we can't structure society purely hierarchical sometimes a lot of things we have to understand is it's not it's not always up and down we have this side to side endless information that is influencing our concepts and our understanding of truth and our understanding of values. We need to take that into account. It's simple as that. That's Derrida's idea of power there too, in a sense. It's like it's hard. Our concept of power is being influenced by society. What is wrong with that endeavor? What is wrong with understanding where our concepts are coming from? How our beliefs are influenced by how we interpret words and language, language that we are born into. How, why is that, why is that a bad thing? People that are genuinely people that listen that disagree with me, I genuinely want to know. Give me, give me something that makes that make sense to me because I can't make it make sense. So, and and that's Jordan's position. How dare we deconstruct concepts? We should just continue on with the established order. Because it's all power. And so if you see some... Also, one more point. The idea of, okay, you need to analyze yourself. Part of analyzing yourself is analyzing how you interpret concepts and why you interpret those concepts that way. I just want to put that out there. Jordan's all about this internal journey. Part of that internal journey is deconstructing the concepts that you hold so dear to your fucking heart. Young man trying to stand up and better himself in any dimension, you're not going to trust that. You're going to identify that as the manifestation of tyrannical power. And clearly, if the patriarchy is a malevolent tyrant, then any sign of 
the desire to contribute it to it should be at minimum not encouraged, but more subtly criticized and discouraged at every possible opportunity. And that's our culture. Uh, well, I think I have all I need to say about that out. Um, I had fun with this one. I know I feel like I get serious at times, but I do get passionate about this topic. That's why I pick some of these videos. Um, just because these are popular thinkers. People, millions of people listen to these people. You know, I, obviously I don't have millions of people listening to me, but I have, a, you know, a decent audience. And if I can play my part and at least questioning these figures and then helping people question their own beliefs in the way that I've, I've tried to do my best in questioning mine and then getting critiques allows me to question my beliefs too. I don't know. It's just the whole thing, you know, it's just stuff I'm passionate about. And, and, and I hope people find this, find this helpful, but thanks for listening. Tune in next time. It's time for you to get the fuck out of my lap. <laughs>